This is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women who've been through absolute caca give you advice <laughs> on how to get to the other side of yours. I am so excited about this conversation today. I have with me Jory Rose, who's going to tell you more about herself. Jory, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thank you, Nikki, for having me on. I'm really honored to be one of your guests. And I think this is such a valuable topic for us to give more tools around for so many women. So thank you for doing the work you're doing. It is so completely my honor and my pleasure. Jory, I'm going to give you the mic to introduce yourself and let us know who are you, where do you live, and what keeps you busy during the day? Yes. Well, Nikki, I am in the Bay Area in Northern California. I am a mom. I've got two daughters, almost 16. I can't believe my baby's going to be 16 so soon. And I've got a 13-year-old, and they are my world. The three of us are super tight. And I just I, being a mom is my, my number one thing. And when I'm not momming, I am a marriage family therapist. I have a private practice. And I also lead meditation and mindfulness workshops. I also have a podcast. I lead retreats for women. So I'm doing a lot when I to fill my day. It depends on the hour of the day of what's filling it, but all of it is completely fulfilling. For sure, for sure. Yes. A combination. And I wonder if you have like more day, daylight than I have, like <laughs> how you're packing it up. You know, it's, it's, it's been a practice to learn, but my mindfulness practice has allowed me to be really present with what is and in learning how to allow myself to not wander off to what's next, what's next, what's next, because that's kind of how I got to where I am, was realizing I lived my life by what was next and it kept me out of what is. So it's part of that value of authenticity that holds me really present. That is fantastic. And we have so much to learn from you. And I'm just going to march toward that. Yes, please um, <laughs> jump right in. <laughs> Jory, as you know, this is a podcast by and for women who've been through some caca, really rough stuff. Um, so what I would love for you to do is if you would summarize for us what you personally have gone through and what was the worst part of the caca? You know, it's, I, I would define my journey as being a real existential crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know that so many of the women that um, who are listening are going through some real tangible, horrific stuff. And it almost feels a little selfish of me in saying, I actually chose to go through my crap on purpose. It wasn't happening to me. And what was hard was, how do I figure out who I was? And so the, the, the context is I, I had married my high school sweetheart. I was with since I was 13 years old. I had never dated anybody else and he was my best friend. And I got to a point in my life in my early thirties where I realized, who am I? How did I get here? I don't remember making the conscious choices to get to where I am. Mm. And while I had the complete life I crafted, like I literally got everything I ever set out to get and something was off. And while I was happy, I wasn't fulfilled. And I had to sit with a lot of discomfort and lean into that discomfort to figure out who am I and what's my next intention? Because I had lived my life in my head. I lived by the shoulds, the expectations, by what's next. I was raised in a culture of fear and anxiety because 
and the family I grew up in, the worst case scenario actually happened in that my mom's parents were killed in a car accident, hit by a drunk driver when my mom was 16. She was the only survivor. That impacted obviously her whole life, but her parenting and my parents divorced when I was three and my dad committed suicide when I was 10. So my real life realities under age 10 is that life is scary, the world is unsafe and people leave us. So I think by meeting my then husband at 13, it felt safe and secure and I let safety and security guide me. Yeah. And that was great for a long time, mm -hmm. but it also stunted my individuality. It stunted my growth and it kept me from really getting to know me because it was like our identities was one word. And so when I woke up one day with this very real fear of who am I and feeling like I was being selfish for being curious about that and being careful to not let other people's judgments on, but you have the perfect life. Why would you give that up? And it really came down to what is one of my highest values is of authenticity. And especially as I became a licensed marriage, family and therapist, and I delved into the practice of mindfulness and I started teaching these tools, I was really afraid I was going to get up on some stage somewhere and speak. And someone was going to stand up in the audience and call me out and say, but you're not living that. Hmm. And you know, how could you talk about um, being present when I wasn't being present? or how to tune into my body when I was so stuck in my head. Mm. So for about five years, I was in therapy delving into the fear of the unknown. I had never dated. I had never lived on my own. I had a really comfortable life, beautiful home, three vacations a year. And I chose to go to the unknown and say, I'm willing to enter into that unknown for the hope that I'll be in alignment. And it was the scariest wow. thing I ever did. And I did it. And you did it. And I did it. Yeah. And I have to say it wasn't easy. And I've never once looked back. I've never once questioned, was this the right thing? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was super hard. He didn't want this. He was angry. Mm -hmm. We had a very amicable divorce and it wasn't until like afterwards he realized, oh man, that really happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and he wasn't angry for long, but it definitely was something, you know, we had to deal with. And of course, with my daughters and they still struggle with sharing custody and I have the majority of custody. So it's still a struggle five and a half years later. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also guided them by following your heart and to not follow the straight line that sometimes our path curves and that's okay. And we grow and we change and that's okay. So by living in my own alignment, I've hopefully set the foundation for them. Unlike my mom who stayed within fear and anxiety and then handed that to me. Right. And that wasn't something that you chose. And, and what, what is striking me about your narrative and about your journey is that there is a combination of trauma that occurred that mm -hmm. had, that was not under your control whatsoever. Mm -mm. And then down the line, what I want to say and what I really admire about what you chose to do was that you were proactive about almost like 
making sure that you reached a, a turning point, like making yeah. sure almost that you like you reached a crisis, even though like externally there, it didn't seem to be a crisis. There didn't seem to be something. That That's why I called it an existential crisis because yeah. it was internal and yeah. almost all the hardships I brought on myself mm -hmm. because I wasn't in a, I wasn't in a contentious marriage. We never fought we were together 23 years. I honestly don't think we ever argued. Wow. It was super easy, mm -hmm. but it also lacked connection. It sure. lacked depth. It lacked intimacy. Mm -hmm. And those values became higher to me than comfort. Absolutely. And, 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 that's, you know, a, and that's a lot, you know, talk about, you know, having the courage to, to stand in my family and in my community and my friends to say, I gave this up. Mm -hmm. It felt really, I mean, I lost friends because I know I was being judged. And I also think it highlighted other people's marriages and had them think, uh oh, if they could do that, can I do that? Right. And mm -hmm. I, people, I think fear marriage, a divorce is contagious. And, but to me, I'm not pro divorce, I'm pro happiness. And it. if divorce is what gets you happy, then to me, I've often joked that I think every woman in their 40s should go through a divorce just to figure out who they are. Because I think divorce forces us to face every single aspect of ourselves in a way that nothing else does mm. to get really real, to get really intentional, to decide how do I want my next 40 years to look? Because I have an intention to be present. I mean, that was my intention. Mm -hmm. I had spent those first 36 years just on autopilot doing what was next. And while it was good and it was easy and I was very taken care of, something wasn't right. And you went for it and you fought for it and I did. you, yeah, absolutely. And and I've been unstoppable since. It was well, like clearing the energy has like the manifestation of what I've created personally and professionally in the past five and a half years. I sometimes stop and look at like, everything I've manifested from my career to my relationship to just what I've built from scratch on my own in the midst of all of being a single mom and divorce and building a business. And I sometimes amaze myself, but I think it's because I was in alignment for the first time and I cleared out that negative energy that was blocking me. Yeah. Yeah. And well, what my next question was going to be, which you, which you just neatly segued <laughs> into is, is it takes all of this strength, warrior strength, to to get to the other side of I mean of a crisis that that you actually yourself proactively set in motion. Like that's yeah. I mean, this, this doesn't happen on my podcast every day. And what I was going to ask is like, what's the best thing about being where you are right now? And when you just said alignment, I mean that sounds like the answer. It's alignment. Me. Yeah, and it's the reminder to continue to slow down to get out of my head and into my body. Uh huh. And that was part of my path of how I got there was slowing down and yep. not being afraid with what was going to come up because I think we stay in motion for fear of what we're going to discover. And when I started meditation and when I really delved into mindfulness, I mean, I went on a five day silent Buddhist meditation retreat and I was meditating for 16 hours a day. There's no way escaping of what's coming up, but getting out of my head and just tuning in to that alignment. That's why, you know, awareness is hard because once you become aware, you can't unknow what you now know. It takes courage, 
-hmm. And I find a lot of responsibility in now that I have this awareness, what am I going to do with it? And people can easily shy away from it and say, that's too hard or that's too scary or that's unknown. And to me, it became, well, I chose to look at it. So now I'm responsible to take action on what I learned. Absolutely. And my next question is about um, more about community. Like in my experience, when, when you go inward and you discover your own path and authenticity, what can tend to happen is that a whole new crew of people become attracted to you mm -hmm. and, or you become attracted to a whole new, a whole new group of people. And there, there's this kind of magnetism thing that goes on. Yes. So what I'm, what I'm wondering is if there's anyone who comes to mind for you, who may have, may have been helpful or inspirational to you on your journey of choice, who would be, has an awesome story and would be a great guest on this particular podcast. Oh, there's a couple that come to mind for sure. And I think, you know, I always assumed that people who would be part of that community would be a social circle. And what I have found is it's become more of a professional realm. And that's part of what I've been able to bring into people through the work that I do. And, you know, I lead women's retreats and there's been amazing women who've come on my retreats. And, you know, the thing I talk about is a journey forward. And so there's one woman in particular who's, you know, made such a beautiful career out of her painful divorce mm -hmm. that I think is a perfect story of the epic comeback. And that's just one of many who I can think of, but it's brought in, you know, I think that light gets attracted of, oh wait, I'll have what she's having, right? That scene from when Harry met Sally, that feels, looks so good. How do I get that? Yes. I, that's a, an analogy that I use all the time. Well, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to pick your brain and your Rolodex and we're going to figure, yes. we're going to figure that out. So that's, I great. love it. And I love that, you know, we all have a story and we all can learn from each other's stories and it takes courage to courage to share the story for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it connects us, which is so, so, so cool. Yeah. Um, so I can, I am so excited about asking you this question, Jory, which is what is a piece of advice or maybe two or three? from your personal and professional experience, mm -hmm. advice that you would give to women who are listening right now, who are in the midst of the caca on how to get to that other side. Trust your body. That's the first one I'm going to have to say is I don't think our intuition lies. And I think our head gets us confused on which one do we follow when we have cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. right? When we're thinking one thing and feeling another, I think one of the best tools that anyone can do is listen to their body. It's never going to stir them the wrong way. So that is one. Okay. Um, another tool when someone is in the midst of it, reach out for community, be vulnerable. Because I think when we are in the midst of it, there's a lot of fear of judgment, there's fear of rejection, and it takes a great amount of courage to reach out to others. But we know that vulnerability breeds connection. Yes. And in the practice of self-compassion, common humanity is a big part of that in saying, you are unique, but your problems are not, and you're not the only one who's ever felt this. And I think as women, we feel such this obligation to make it look like we have all of it together all the time. Yes, we do. And so that's where we can breed disconnect with following that assumption. And so having the vulnerability to reach out to someone and say, hey, I'm really struggling right now. Can you send me some loving kindness? 
And that's something that in my social circle of my closest friends I can do. And that has brought me such huge comfort. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not there for you to solve my problem or I don't need you to fix it. I don't even need you to necessarily listen right now, but just send me what you've got. I just need that energy. I need to know I'm not alone and I don't need to feel needy for asking for my needs to be met in receiving this, you know, this loving kindness my way. And the, the last thing is find whatever practice of ritual because, you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's going to therapy, whether it's journaling, something to shift out of the day-to-day -day routine of doing things the same way to get you into a new way of interacting with your pain, interacting with your thoughts, interacting with your emotions to allow them to have a different space than maybe the one that we were doing because nothing changes until you do. Mm. And it's, it's a matter of not trying harder, but try different. I love the way that you're putting that in, in a really open way, <clears throat> rather than saying everyone needs to meditate. So many people these days are telling me you have to meditate, you have to meditate. But what I love about the way that you put it is that you're saying, find a ritual, mm -hmm. find something that is outside of sort of the normal space of your day and being reactive, whether and then providing a whole list of options, whether it's yeah. yoga, mindfulness, walking, meditation, whatever it is, whatever it is that kind of gives you that, that space. You got to meet yourself where you're at. Yeah. That's really good stuff. It's a lot of compassion. Mm -hmm. And the compassion is to just say, this is really hard right now and let that be okay without having to fix it or solve it. Just let it be okay that it's hard right now and know that it's not permanent. Yes. And I have a question about, um, a connection between two of the pieces of advice that you just gave. Would you say that that a ritual such as mindfulness, yoga, meditation, the other ones that you mentioned, are those some ways to get into a space where you're talking to, where you're listening to your body and where you're, where you're learning to trust your body? Because when you said, listen to your body, my question that I wanted to jump in with right at that moment is, there are people listening right now who say, how do I listen to my body? You know? So let me just briefly by explain, I, I do believe that everyone needs to meditate. However, my definition of meditation is super open. Mm -hmm. I don't have one specific way of doing that. So what I will say, and this answers your question, is I define meditation as creating space for stillness and silence to allow whatever's arising to exist without judgment. Mm -hmm whatever that looks like to you. Maybe it's just being in your car with the radio off and no, not talking on the phone and just actually looking around at the scenery you're driving around. That to me is a meditation. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's how you're connecting with folding your laundry, being really present, creating the space to just allow whatever's arising to utilize your breath to calm the brain, calm the body, so you can actually observe whatever you're experiencing rather than judge it, resist it, push it away. Because we tend to... As soon as we feel a difficult emotion, we tend to be in resistance of it. Mm -hmm. We tend to push it away. It's hard. We don't like it. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just is. So having the equanimity, which is the evenness of mind to say, I can look at whatever is arising because I've created some space for this. And I can also know, okay, I'm kind of done with that now. I'm going to go back to my everyday routine, right? So just by defining it so openly allows it to be something attainable where you can just set a container around for the next minute, I'm just gonna allow whatever's arising to exist and observe it. 
And with that observation, I don't have to do anything with it. I'm just allowing it. So to truly meet yourself where you're at, I'm really broad and probably the most forgiving meditation teacher because I want it to quote work for you. And if I give some strict guideline on any of the above, right? Yoga, meditation, mindfulness, journaling, whatever, that's not going to always fit into everyone else's definition of what feels right for them. Let it be a personal practice, but make it a practice to just sit with yourself and be curious rather than judgmental. Awesome. That's awesome. And great clarification for, for folks out there who are like, how do I do that? That it sounds very accessible. The way that well, you're and just the last thing I'll add is that there's a reason it's all called a practice. Mm-hmm. It's not called a perfect. Mm-hmm. It's called a practice, right? So it's not about being good or bad at it. It's not like saying, oh, I had a really good meditation today or whatever you define that as. It's no, I showed up to create space to connect with myself. Mm -hmm. So all you did was show up for it. It's not about what happens in the outcome. It's about creating the space Mm because in that space, we learn about ourselves. We get out of our head. We start to breathe. We start to expand. We start to be more aware. And with that awareness, we can then have some new intention. Beautiful. And on a totally different topic, Jory, since we're all about being epic here, if you could have any superpower that you don't already have, what would it be? Oh, my superpower. Well, I think it would be a continuation of, I believe, the superpower I already have, which is wave my my magic wand for manifestation. Mm. I I, I love creating. And whatever that is, creation is what fuels me. It excites me. It's what lights me up. It's what sparks me up. And I actually do have a magic wand. So my therapist used to always tell me, be careful while I point it. So, you know, just continue to point it in the right direction. Um, But part of that creation is honestly is the work that I do of giving people the tools to journey forward. Mm -hmm. Because I believe we all can get unstuck. So that superpower would be to really help everyone get unstuck because it's possible. And it doesn't need to be a huge shift. One percent is enough to put you on a different trajectory. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading my magic wand to everyone listening. Love it. (laughs) I love it. You've all, got, you've all got the pixie dust sprinkling all over you right now. I hope you can feel it. <laughs> I, feel it. I feel it. It's so great. Jory, thank you so much for being my guest Aww, today. Thank you, Nikki. I very much appreciate it. Where can we find you online? Yes. Uh, Instagram is at Jory Rose, J-O-R-E-E-R-O-S-E. Um, also at joryrose.com. Um, my podcast is Journey Forward with Jory Rose. Mm-hmm. I'm going to soon be launching courses and subscriptions of meditations and more. And um, also you'll find on my website, Jory Rose, access to all the retreats that I'm leading. I've got two retreats coming up in 2020. So yeah, the joryrose.com is probably be the one-stop shop for everything. Fantastic. And I am Nikki Bruno with Jory Rose with the Epic Comeback Podcast. For more information on staging an epic comeback in your life after going through a life-shattering experience, please go to theepiccomeback.com.